0: I've been back in the back watching service because, you know, I went away and you go away, they tell me we're supposed to isolate. So I've been wearing these and isolating and hiding. You know, it's what we got to do now, right? If somebody would have told you, we'd had to jump through all these hoops last year. Would you, would you have thought this time last year? Uh, do, do you realize, I'm going to start here, I'm going to start serious. We'll come back and have some fun. But do you realize they did some studies the last year Um, I I would look this up on a couple of different websites health websites and last year the depression rate at this time of year was 6.6 percent people with clinical depression in our culture clinical levels what they call clinical levels was 6.6 percent this year 23.5 percent last year anxiety levels that were clinical 8.2 percent this year I've heard two different statistics from two different places. One said 30.8 or 31% and another said 36%. So from 8.2% to 36% in one year. Guys, can we just embrace that this past year has been a little crazy. Can we just embrace that? Can we embrace the fact that maybe it's brought some tension to us and it's brought some anxiety to us, not just to people around us, but a third of our culture, according to the studies I was reading, they're saying are at levels that are nearly, are, are at a clinical level. That means we got some problems. I believe I've got a solution to part of the problem, not to all of it, to part of it, okay? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So if you got your Bible, open with me to Romans chapter 16, And uh, the genie appeared to the gentleman and said, genie, Uh, genie said, you have three wishes. And he said, okay, I wish for no more lawyers on earth. (laughs) And the genie says, done. No more lawyers. You have no more wishes. The guy said, well, I thought you said I had three wishes. He said, genie said, sue me. Uh, would you open? Uh, um, would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word today? If you found Romans chapter sixteen, would you back up to Romans fourteen seventeen real quick? Uh, I heard Randy uh, Randy's sermon last week, and he did a phenomenal job. That was if you didn't hear last week, you need to go back and listen to it. That was an absolutely phenomenal uh, message that we all need to hear. But remember when we left a couple of weeks ago from Romans fourteen seven? Remember we left? We did this verse. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of, does anybody remember the motions? But of righteousness towards God, peace towards one another, and joy within me with the Holy Spirit. And I have been dwelling on this verse over and over and over again. And the more I think about this verse, the more I realize that it is the verse we really need right now today. We need righteousness towards God towards God, we need to be in right relationship. We need peace with one another. Come on. Anybody watch the news this morning, right? We need peace with one another and we need joy in the Holy Spirit in us. We need joy, joy to overcome the anxiety, the depression, the problems, the issues, the struggles. So what do we need? We need the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating. Come on, can you all say this with me? Can you even do the hand motions? It'd be all right. You're allowed, all right? It's church, but somebody said, it feels like kid's church. Well, you learned something in kid's church, didn't you? So it's about time you learned something in here, right? All right, y'all ready? Ready? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, right? But of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. So righteousness towards God, peace towards one another in our relationships, and joy in our hearts as we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we ask of you today. Father God, we need the kingdom of God. We live in a world that's broken on every side, but we know that you made us to be in right relationship with you and in peace with one another and with joy in us. And if anyone in this room today is missing righteousness with you, I pray today would be the day they would get that right. If anyone in this room has a problem with peace with somebody in their life and there's a problem with peace in their relationships, I pray you would show them how to fix it today and how to take steps of reconciliation. And if anyone is lacking joy, they're filled with depression, anxiety, stress, God, I pray that you would give them joy in their hearts in the power of the Holy Spirit I pray amen amen air high-five somebody before you're seated and a hey, online everybody gets a high-five there you go I got those all right <clears throat> so I believe the answer is found in Romans 16 part of the answer part of the answer to our problems and our attention is found in Romans chapter 16 I've, I've thought about this when I come to Romans 16 I didn't want to preach this passage I didn't want to so what I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna do the meat and potatoes and then we're gonna have dessert at the end are y'all alright with that so we're gonna do meat and potatoes and then we're gonna have dessert but you have got to pay attention through meat and potatoes or you don't get to enjoy your your dessert how can you have any pudding if you won't eat your meat (laughs) and if you're not a rock and roller I'm I'm sorry every day of your life that you do not get that reference all right Pink Floyd, yes, the wall. All right, so Romans chapter 16 is a list of names. 29 people in Romans 16 mentioned by name. I've often wondered why did God allow in this great book, this great theological book of Romans, why did he allow 29 names in the last chapter so basically the entire chapter is taken up just by Paul talking about people and then I realized something that really struck me when I I came to this passage today and that is God said in Genesis 2 18 it is not good for us to be alone you were not made to live alone you were made to live in relationship and fellowship with God in relation and fellowship with one another. You are made for community. And what happens is, is we when you step out of the community that feeds your soul, and you step into isolation, or you step into pre-programmed propaganda, like you're getting from your TV and your your iPad or your computer screen. When you step out of God's relationship with you into this propaganda, the anxiety comes in and steals the joy from your soul. And it causes you to not have peace with one another. And then you're not righteous towards God. So God put an entire chapter at the end of Romans chapter 16 to talk to us about the necessity of human relationship. Now, I want to talk to those of you watching online today. Some of you are overcome with fear and you're afraid to come back to church. Um. I know that there's probably going to be a spread of COVID that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks because I was out driving yesterday. What, what happened? What in the world happened? I tried to go any, I, I tried to go up. I had, needed to get some screws because I was doing a project, so I go up to Avon, and I'm going to go to Home Depot in Avon. That was a mistake. It was a 20-minute wait to get into that Avon Commons yesterday because of all the people on the road. What happened this week? Well, I I left for vacation. Everybody's pretty much normal. I come back. Everybody's running around crazy. What happened? <laughs> did, did, did anybody else experience this this week? Yesterday afternoon... I was on 480, there were three lanes of traffic all the way full for about a mile and I'm like, where are all of these people going? I haven't seen Cleveland like this in years. What's happened is, school kicked back into gear, we decided finally we gotta live and now everybody's just going, ah! (laughs) Can I add something though? To all of your running and your doing, It's a great idea for you to add some running and doing in fellowship with the kingdom and the body of Christ. So we've got some plans. We're trying to work a safe zone out here. If you're a person that's compromised, we're trying to find a safe zone, trying to make that happen, may not happen. We're trying. The fact of the matter is this, is that if you can't come to church, I would like you to do something. I would like you to open up your home to one other person that you've already been in contact with and have a church watch party together. Amen. Can we do that? Try something. Something. Get in a small group. Form a small group. If you never had a small group, make one. Go to your life group. Do something though. Limit it if you need to. Sit, sit in your yard, 50 feet apart. I don't care, but do something to reenact and re-engage with people of faith that will strengthen and encourage you. Those of you that are here, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Yeah, let's do this. Part of the cure is we need to overcome our fear and get back into relationship with one another. That's why God put this passage in the Bible. Listen, it's not just not just watching together, it's interacting together, all right? Keep it safe, keep the mask on, do what you need to do. I don't care what you need to do, but do it, okay? Yesterday, I sat here and somebody sat over there and we had a conversation. That's 20 feet apart because six wasn't good enough. You know why we did that? Both of us wearing masks the whole time. Do you know why we did that? Because they needed personal contact do you realize that the body of Christ we need one another you need people to challenge all of those things you hear and think you need somebody to push against it in your world and you need brothers and sisters of faith that'll call you out when you're doing something wrong like Matt Karnats did to me years and years ago I was sitting on we were lifting weights in my basement Matt if you don't know him he was a crusty old marine and that guy will always I will always be indebted to him crusty old marine was piling a bunch of weight on me and dropping it on my chest saying now lift it maggot (laughs) he 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 didn't call me a maggot but he did say pain is weakness leaving the body do more yeah that was Matt and we're working out one night and he noticed I was out of sorts and I had earned trust in him because we spent enough time together I earned trust in him and I let my guard down and I shared some of my heart And he said, sit down. When Matt Carnatz gave you a direct order, you listened to it. So I sat down on the bench and he laid his hands on me and prayed for me. And when he did, the spirit of oppression that was upon me lifted. It wouldn't have happened had I not put myself in a relationship with another Christian who wanted what was best for me come on there are lots of people that want to take your relationships and steal from you but Christians want to add what's best into your life and anyway I'll stop there so three areas in chapter 16 that require some notice so the first thing we're gonna do is eat the meat and potatoes y'all ready the women. We're going to talk about the women in chapter 16 of Romans. Let's start with the first one. The first one's Phoebe. It's in verse 1, 16.1. Phoebe. It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. What this means is, is that this uh, Phoebe? Phoebe, by the way, was rather wealthy. And by calling her a benefactor, that means she was wealthy, and that means she was constantly giving of her financial goods to take care of people in need. One of those was Paul. And she was something, she had this, this deacon position we'll talk about in a second. But first of all, the word recommend is he was recommending this Phoebe. And the reason he was recommending her is because Phoebe was the one uh, carrying the letter to the book of Romans was carrying it to the church. So at the end of it, he writes a recommendation saying, Hey, I gave Phoebe this letter because we can trust her and because she's a good woman and she takes care of things and she's, Oh, by the way, she's been a deacon in another church and she's moving there. You guys should probably include her. Right? So Phoebe was a deacon. Uh, deacons, by the way, was an office in the early church. It was an office. There are a couple offices in the early church. There's apostles, and that's that sent ones. We're going to talk about them next. Apostles, and then there were bishops and elders. And by the way, if you're wondering, uh, bishops and elders. Philippians one one, First Timothy four fourteen, Titus one five. All those where bishops and elders are mentioned, and bishops and elders. Um, apparently, there were. That was open to, to both men and women. We'll read that in a second. And then there were deacons. We're, let's just look at this, uh, the list of qualifications to be a deacon in the church, to be a leader in the church. First Timothy 3.8 says, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are gunicaeus, so that could mean either their wives or it could mean the women themselves are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. So I I put these passages up there and I read them. I wasn't going to read them. I I was just going to mention them. But I think some of you should ask yourself a question. Can we back that up? Can you back up one slide for us? And let's go back. Does your life look like this? Are you a person that you could fill, male, female, young, old? By the way, one of the things is we want deacons as early as our kids' church. I, I want there to be people being raised up like this, all the way back to the beginning. Deacon basically means you're a slave. <laughs> deacon, by the way, does mean slave. It means table servant or the, the slave. And, and what it means is whatever needs to be done, that's what the deacon does, uh, Everybody thinks that deacons are all about positions of power and authority. No, no, really what they are is they're slaves who actually do all the dirty work that nobody else wants to do and don't get any credit for it. Isn't that that great? (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of like pastors and apostles and teachers and everybody else. But anyway, look look at the life here. There's a heavenly reward for this, but I want you to look at this life and I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I a person that lives this kind of life? Worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain, keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience, be tested. That means you can't just, it means you got to do some work before you're allowed to give work because we don't trust people until they prove their trust. That's a great relational truth for some of you people. So, some of you listening to me right now, you're really easy to trust people because you like them at first glance. No, you don't trust people until they prove their trust. So you give them a little trust, and if they earn it, then you give them a bigger trust. And then, then you give them a bigger one. You listen to me, teenagers? This is how you get in good relationship with your parents is if they give you a little trust, come through on it, and then they'll trust you with bigger stuff. My last kid, I didn't even have to set curfews for my last child because we had started this whole trust thing and by the time we got to the last one we're like "Um, just tell us when you're coming home because we knew there would never be any trust broken are y'all following me here this trust thing is a big deal it's a great way to live your life being trustworthy is a great way to live your life because if people can trust you guess what they'll do they will trust you (laughs) and if you can't they can't trust you guess what they won't do They won't trust you this wasn't really in my sermon notes but you should get this huh so they're worthy of trust because they've been tested then if there's nothing against them let them serve as deacons go to the next one please I I think the next slide really matters the women by the way in the same way the women so it's comparing the women and men they're both to have these qualities both the previous ones and the following ones worthy of respect not malicious talkers Just think about uh, the way you text or the things you write online or the things you say uh, when nobody else is listening. Are you a malicious talker? Are you a person that builds people up with your words? Are you a person that tears people down with your words? Temperate, trustworthy in, trustworthy in, you notice how much trust really is a part of this process? If God can trust you, if man can trust you, then God and man will trust you. listen listen to me young people listen I really like talk to you young people for a second live the kind of life that you can be trusted you will never ever ever regret it okay all right let's move on ahead so there are prophets so we talked about apostles bishops elders deacons prophets and pastors all of those are passages that we can talk about how women filled every one of those jobs in the early church. Those, those, Let's look at the next one. The next one's Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila. Now, um, notice the order of the name. The order of the names matter. Priscilla and Aquila, not Aquila and Priscilla. The order matters. So Romans chapter 16, verse three says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my coworkers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, but not only I, but all the churches and Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the what? Come on. Are are y'all reading this with me? Greet also the what? The church that meets at their house. So uh, they were what? What would we call them in today's language? They were what? They were pastors. Priscilla and Aquila were pastors. Now, I I don't have time. I'm going to skip a bunch of passages, those of you that are doing stuff uh, on the screen. But let's just say in Acts 18, 1 Corinthians 16... Um, you can put one of those up, put up the, uh, the acts 18 too. it says there he met a Jew named Aquila native of Pontius who'd come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla. Now who's mentioned first in this passage? Aquila, Aquila is the man, Priscilla is the woman, the husband and wife. When he met them, Paul meets them, thinks the guy is the lead, thinks the guy is the leader. So guess what? Who does he mention First. Let, let's go ahead. First Corinthians 16, 19, when he's writing early to the church of Corinth where they worked, he mentions, this is the early meeting. These are the early meetings. It was who, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly. But every other time in the New Testament, they are mentioned another one, two, three, four, four more times in the New Testament that they are mentioned, five times if you include Romans. It says this, uh, can you put up 2 Timothy four nineteen? greet Priscilla and Aquila. Who's first now? So five other times in the New Testament, who's listed first? The lady is. Word order matters. I studied a lot of Greek. I've read a lot of Greek, and I'm gonna tell you word order matters. Word order matters in our language too because it, the one who comes to your mind first is the one that mentioned first. Here's what, here's what these passages and others teach us from the New Testament is that Priscilla was probably the lead pastor and... Aquila her husband was her helper did did you know that now those people who read a passage from the Bible and say women aren't allowed to preach or teach in the church guess what you got all these other passages in the Bible that say something totally opposite so maybe you need to look at that passage and rethink how you're reading it because there's an explanation I don't have time to get into it today but there's an explanation why Paul said that to the person he said it in the time he said it y'all give me two seconds here do you want to hear this or no this is meat and potatoes do you know why Paul wrote that to a guy named who that women shouldn't preach in a church or lead a, lead a church does anybody know who he wrote that to Timothy why would he write that to Timothy What was Timothy Timothy? What was his personality style? He was timid. He was meek. He was raised by women. His mother was his power broker in his life. And Timothy was a man who was likely to be controlled and manipulated by women. And I've met a few guys like this. And what does Paul say to Timothy? You take authority. Quit letting the women tell you what to do because you're the man that's in charge. God called you, not them to lead. And if you take that in the context, it makes sense. And then, then you can apply all these other passages in the rest of the, the, the Bible that says that women had leadership roles. And we don't, we don't get out of balance because we read one passage when 15 others say something different. Are, are y'all awake here? This is too deep of theology for a Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, I'm supposed to fluff. Yeah, it's all night. Nice. All right. I'll ask you a question. I'll ask you a question. How many of you know the name of Beth Moore? Raise your hand if you know who Beth Moore is. All right. How many of you know her husband's name? (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Uh, uh, Mr. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Moore. (laughs) No, her husband's name's Keith. But what's amazing is, Is that even today we recognize that there are ladies that have gifts and talents and abilities and I want to let you know that the scripture does not debate that it actually recognizes that and if you read anything other that in the scripture you need to maybe rethink why you're reading what you're reading instead of trying to make something out of it that the Bible doesn't say all right third is Junia this one will really mess you up Junia so junia it's funny after the ninth century so the bible was written at the end of the the first century and the ninth century eight centuries later people started making junia a male name up until then the first eight centuries of the church junia was always a female name Uh, we have 12 church fathers before the 9th century who all wrote about Junia being a female. By the way, historical evidence reveals that Junia was a female name that was very common in Rome during the time which Paul wrote, but was unknown as a male name until later when Italian became the main language much later. This is interesting. Why is this interesting? Because this is really going to mess you up. Romans 16, 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia. My fellow Jews, which probably, they were probably relatives of Paul, but they, it can be translated either way, either as the, his personal relatives or fellow Jews. And it says this. They have been in prison with me, They're outstanding among the what? Come on, what's the word? Apostles. Apostles. What is the title then given to this female named Junia? Apostle. Wow. In your Bible, a woman is called an apostle. Let's talk about this. They were in Christ before I was. This is when I think they were relatives. Y'all ready? You ready? They were Paul's relatives and he uses the word that can be relative. They were Paul's relatives. They were apostles apostles according to uh, 1 Corinthians nine one Paul says, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen our Lord Jesus? So, so here's what it took to be an apostle. They had to see Jesus alive. So this Adronicus and Junia, those were people that had literally seen Jesus alive. They were Jews. That means if they saw Jesus alive, they were Jews. They were probably there on the day of Pentecost and they were one of the groups of people that went to Rome to, to take the gospel to Rome. Come on, am I the only one enjoying the history lesson today? The, the, we have this group of people here and, and the name of this lady that saw Jesus alive probably was at the day of Pentecost, was suffered greatly for her gospel message and was in prison herself with Paul and was probably a relative of Paul. What does all this say to me? It says that if you have an encounter with Jesus, you have incredible power among your relatives and your friends, even though you may doubt yourself. And I want to ask you a question who in your world needs Jesus really badly? Who in your world really needs Jesus badly? Could you be a Junia to them today? Father, I pray right now there's somebody in my world that needs Jesus. And they need the love of Jesus desperately. Let me be a Junia and Andronicus to them. Let, let me share the faith I have so that the Apostle Paul's in my world could get saved. And I pray, Father, that you would break down their hearts and all the things that keep them from knowing and empowering and uh, encountering you and give them the power of the Holy Spirit to give them life, I pray, amen. All right, so another one, Rufus's mom. This is sort of cool. Rufus's mom is another woman in the passage. Um, now, Paul had a good friend named Rufus, and Rufus's mom treated Paul like one of her kids. Never underestimate the power of the surrogate mother. Uh, Romans 16, 13, greet Rufus, chosen the Lord and his mother who has been like a mother to me too. We need ladies like this. We need ladies like this who will, who will mother a neighborhood, not just a, a child. God made you with that nurturing, loving, compassionate person. And there's always that one that's gonna show up you know uh, my mom did this to a young man up the street his name was Lance and he would hang out at our house and he got fed at our house and he he got taken care of at our house and Lance and I were great friends but my mom treated Lance like one of her own children I had some ladies in church that did this to me I can give you three names of three ladies that treated me like I was one of their kids sister Gormley mama Phillips and sister Gentry those were three ladies that if you were to hear me the stories, the, I experienced God in their presence. They loved me, they took care of me, they'd buy me gifts, they'd treat me right, they'd take me places. These were ladies that were not my mother that treated me good. And I am a 50-plus man still looking back, thanking God for somebody that treated me good when I was four and five years old. Never underestimate the power to love a young child and to treat them right. All right, let's move along because I'm going quick now. There's Tryphenia, Triphosa, and Persis. You should say all of these names. Come on, this is an effort right up here. Romans sixteen twelve, Greek Tryphenia and Triphosa, those women who they do what? Come on, they work hard in the Lord. I'm going to give you another character trait, especially young people, I'd like you to work on this one. Work on being trustworthy, and the other is work on having a work ethic. You know what work ethic is? Work ethic is that you do the hard stuff first, and then you enjoy second. It's not I play video games until my parents are about to walk through the door before I do the task they gave me, but it's I wake up in the morning and I do the task so that I can enjoy my video games all day. I know this is, oh, come on, come on. If you do the hard work first, then you have no pressure hanging over your head while you enjoy yourself. It's called work ethic. Wake up early, work hard, get your work done, and then enjoy yourself. Oh, but I wasn't talking then to to young people, I was talking to all you adults that put all your hard tasks to last and you procrastinate all day. You know, my son asked me the other day what procrastination was and I said, I'll tell you later procrastination is bad work ethic they worked hard do you know why their names are in the Bible their names are in the Bible because they worked hard be a hard worker be the kind of person that you look back at the end of the day and say I did something today do you want to know how to get rid of some depression and anxiety in your life actually do something God made you to be productive God God created a perfect space for Adam the perfect space come on it was so temperate he didn't even have to wear clothes that's the perfect space and all he did was walk around and eat and you know what God told him to do though God told him take care of the garden do your work do your work do your work work actually feeds your soul These women worked hard. There are a whole lot of things in this world that are worse than being listed as a hard worker. These are the people who show up early and stay late. They're the Crystal Davises of this world. They're the Linda Thompsons of this world. They're the Robin Crows of this world. They're the people that every time I look around, they're showing up early and they're staying late to make sure everything's taken care of for somebody else. I respect people like that. I respect people like that. And if you're one of those people, I salute you. All right, then there's the others. Now, Paul just listed 29 people. I talked about the women, let's talk about the rest of them. A third of them in this list are women. A third of the people in this list are women who are called out by name for doing extraordinary things. The other two-thirds are men. And among these 29 people, there's a mix of Jewish, Greek, and Latin names. Do you see this? <laughs> Here's a church in a city that has a multitude of people from all around the world gathered there. There are at least four slave names. At least four slaves among the 29. There are rich people. There are people like Phoebe who had considerable wealth. There are people that had political influence. They were a part of Herod's household. I could go on, but let's just say from this list of names, what do we know about this church? This church was a true melting pot. This church was a place where it didn't matter, according to Galatians three twenty-eight, whether you were a Jew, you were a Gentile, whether you were slave or free, whether you were male or female, because they were all one in Christ Jesus. What else do we know from this passage? Romans chapter 16, um, greet Ampelitus. My dear friend in the Lord, greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend, Stachys. What does this matter? Listen to the words Paul's using. He had affection for these people. Affection. What do we know about this church? They not only accepted one another, they actually loved one another. They loved one another. They treated each other good. and And we know that they, they were a little weird because in Romans 16, 16, it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And I want to know, does that include tongue? <laughs> Paul, ain't no way, bro. <laughs> ain't no way, ever. <laughs> why, why am I saying that? No, a, a holy crit kiss was like a air kiss on the cheek. But what they were doing is they were showing that they liked each other. And, and my whole point is, is talking about this is that, in a word, this, this body recognized they needed each other, they loved each other, they wanted each other, and they wanted to be included in one another's life. It wasn't enough to simply drive in, sit facing forward, and then leave. They actually wanted to be involved with one another. COVID, let's talk real quick. What, one of the things COVID, is, COVID has taken away from us is this interaction of face-to-face stuff. And I, I'm not debating masks or no masks. I'm not debating that. That is not my debate. I just simply want to acknowledge that I have a cousin who's 46. He's dying right now of pancreatic cancer. And he probably won't live through this week, no matter what. And his wife said, and, and I don't blame her. She was trying to protect him. She said, no visitors because you people travel too much you can't come see him although he's dying because you might give him COVID and then somebody talked to her and said dear he's dying let him meet the people he loves and when his dad walked through the door who hadn't been allowed to be there to visit him when his dad walked through the door his son said I thought you were mad at me or something We need each other, especially in rough times. And if you're going through a rough time, it is not a time to isolate. It is a time to embrace a relationship with somebody you can trust. Go out of your way and do it. Do you know studies show, numerous studies show that people heal faster and their immunity goes up when they're hugged loved and prayed for there are so many studies out there now I'm I'm all for us being cautious in this time and I'm not trying to throw anything or anybody under the bus and I'm not making a huge statement I just want you to hear the statement I am making it seems we threw away the knowledge of 4,000 years or 6,000 or 10,000 years of human history, we threw it away because we had a momentary scare. And I think part of the balance we need to come to moving forward is we need to embrace that we need one another, and that's as much healing as anything else. So whatever you need to do to create those relationships in your world, do it be ruthless to create it stay stay as safe as you can do what you need to do but come on get out of the isolation bubble and step into relationship and it will bring health are y'all listening <laughs> all right final warning last here we go final warning this is the last part of the passage i have to throw this in Romans 16, 16 or 17, 18 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way. So if we're talking about relationships, there are people that want to destroy those relationships. Do you know not everybody's out for your good? There are people that want to destroy you and put obstacles in your way. Keep away from them. Listen to me. Teenagers, teenagers, listen, please, teenagers, listen, listen. I don't care how cool they are if they're gonna drag you down they are not your friend mom mom that's struggling in a relationship with your spouse if they badmouth their husband all the time they're going to help you badmouth your husband guys guys if they will cheat on someone else they will cheat on you Y'all listening? Not everybody has your best interests at heart. Stay away from them. I don't care how cool they are, how pretty they are, how rich they are, how popular they are, how powerful they are. Stay away. Isn't it right there in the Bible or your Bible? Isn't it there? Isn't that what it says? Who do you trust yourself to? Trustworthy people, not people who wanna put obstacles, division, always looking for a fight, always gonna be cool at somebody else's expense. If they will talk to you about somebody, they will talk about you to somebody. For such people are not serving the Lord, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. All right, can we be, all right, lighten it up real quick. This smooth talk, flattery, promises, all that kind of stuff person, My wife got in, yeah, my wife got in the mail years ago this thing that says, we'll give you a gas grill for sitting through this presentation. Well, we were, at that moment, we were living in this little uh, uh, um, condominium And it it was nice, it was was nice, but it was little. And we had this patio out back, but we didn't have a gas grill and we really wanted a gas grill. But come on, when we first moved here and started the church, we had absolutely no money for anything except maybe to pay the light bill and we were always turning them off. So we're we're like dying here with no money and a free gas grill for an hour and a half of our time. My wife's like, we're gonna do that. I'm like, dear, that's too good a promise to be true. Nobody's gonna give us a gas grill. And she said, yes, they are. They say right here. They will. All right, we'll do it. So we go up and we sit through not an hour and a half presentation, but it wound up being four hours Listen to a timeshare presentation for four hours. At the end of it, my wife says, I want my gas grill. So you know what they brought her? They brought her a little burner that you even had to buy your own little gas tank to pump up to it. And that was our grill. It was this big and it was about like that. And she looked at me. I looked at her and I said, don't, nope, 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 nope. We're not going there. Because what happens is, is that people and things make promises they can't back up and and they're doing so because they want something from you, not something for you. But in the body of Christ, we're to be a people who want something for the people around us, not something from the people around us. Somebody should say amen right now. All right, so we're back at the end now. God designed a gospel that brings life to us. First, Romans fourteen seventeen. If Paul spent a lot of time, first eight chapters, if we have righteousness towards God... We can have peace with one another. And that brings, come on, joy in the Holy Ghost. So there is, we want to be upward right with God, outward right with one another, and inward right with ourselves. And then the final, final scripture from this passage, and then we're done with Romans. Y'all ready with this? Romans 16, 20. The God of peace Well, soon crush Satan under your feet I got a call this past week that made me think about this passage in a different light and it was a girl that was going off to college and there's a witch somewhere around in her dorm and she was calling asking some questions and it was a good thing we had a great talk she felt really encouraged I told her this story when Robin was in school there was this, uh, these girls, these girls and they were scared because one night they looked up and there were these red eyes moving back and forth on their wall. And they said, the demon eyes are there and it's a demon and he's come into our room and they got really, really scared and they were freaking out and they called all the, the prayer warrior guys on the other side of campus and the guys were praying for them and there was a big hubbub and oh, there are demons invading the school and all this kind of stuff and these girls wouldn't sleep in the room and Robin was their RA. Well, finally, after these girls talked everywhere and spread all this fear everywhere and people were freaking out and acting out of control, finally, uh, they, Robin heard about it and she said, you got demons in her room? And it said, yeah, I said, show me. So Robin does what Robin did. She walked in the door and she looked up and said, where are the demons? And they said, there, there are the eyes on the wall. And she looked at it and she said, hmm. She walked over to the blinds. Of the window and took her hand and went like that in front of the blind the demon eyes did like this and they came back up disappear uh, disappear there there was a light that wasn't always on outside but when it would come on it would shine on the wall and it would shine on the wall they thought there was a demon in the room listen there wasn't originally a demon in their room there w- did you hear what I said there wasn't originally a demon in their room but their fear opened the path to the demonic in their world and what happened with COVID and what happened with all this stuff is, listen to me, it's a sickness. It is a flu that makes some people really sick and kills a few. But what happened is, is it became a spiritual oppression that has spread over our culture because we've allowed it to grow into something other than what it was. And it's about time that we look up, listen, it's real, it's true. I'm not denying it. I'm not saying we don't take precautions. I'm not saying any of that stuff. What I am saying is, is that you don't let a problem become a problem. At some point, you trust God to deal with this much of it while you deal with this much of it. 36% depression and anxiety is not equal to the problems we are facing as a culture. The two are not equal. That means that Satan has... Tripped in here, according to uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he's stolen your righteousness, your peace, or your joy, the answer is not to get a virus vaccination. No, it's to take spiritual control over it. There will be a vaccination. I'm not opposed, not opposed, or opposed. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not wrestling with the facts. I'm wrestling with what you made them into being. Are you are you following me and I will tell you that the God of what peace God wants to give you peace the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet if you will step into his victory this is what I'm talking about does anybody know what this is I could take this magnifying glass, go out to sunshine. I could catch something on fire because it intensifies what you see. You've got a magnifying glass. Every single one of you having a magnifying glass. If you struggle with anxiety or depression, I will guarantee you, you carry your magnifying glass a lot. And I do not say that judgmentally. I recognize it in me. I have a magnifying glass. When I do like this, man, that stuff gets big. That's my big. Come on. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says to magnify the Lord with me. Do you know what we do? We're magnifying our problems. We're magnifying the issues. We're ruminating and thinking and magnifying all the little issues and getting really close view of them. We are magnifying the problem. And what God wants us to do, you ready for this? God wants us to magnify the answer. You will be much better equipped to deal with all the real problems in this world if you keep your real focus on the answer rather than on the problem. Are y'all following me? But you got to accept it. There's some of you, that you're, I, can, I can read it on some of you. You're struggling to accept what I'm saying. You are, I I can read it clear as a bell. You're struggling to accept it because you think I'm making light. I am not making light. I'm simply saying, let's change our focus. And in 1830, there was a guy named George Wilson who killed a government employee. He was caught in the act of robbing the mail and he killed a guy. He was tried and sentenced to be hanged. But for some reason, Andrew Jackson wrote him a pardon and they sent the pardon and George Wilson refused to accept the pardon. So they took it all the way to the Supreme Court and Chief Justice, John Marshall, who's one of the greatest who ever lived, he said, a pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person pardoned. George Wilson must be hanged because he didn't accept the freedom. That's what I want to say to you today. This anxiety, this tension, this strife, it's gonna kill us. There's a real problem. I'm not mitigating there are real problems. There are racial problems. There are, there are problems with our economy. There are problems with how we deal with COVID. There are, pro- there are problems, people. There are, I, trust me, I deal with the problems every day. I'm not mitigating saying there's not a problem. I'm saying, what are you magnifying? Are you magnifying the problem? Are you magnifying the Lord who is the answer? I'd like you to bow your heads with me. If you're in this room today and you, first of all, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, and you're just, you just admit with me, I've been magnifying the problem rather than the answer. Could, could we just get a moment of honesty and clarity and if that's you, would, would you just lift your hand and say, you know, I admit it, I, I confess it, it's sin. I've been looking at the problem instead of Jesus, the answer. If that's you, would you lift your hand with me? Come on, is there anybody else in the room here with me? Mine, I don't have one up, I have two up, all right? Come on, anybody else? Yes, Father, I pray today that in the name of Jesus, you would bring trust and faith and life into this place that we would look to you the answer, not simply the problem. In the name of Jesus, amen. With your head still bowed, I want to ask one more question. If you're in this place and you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, and it's your day, it's your day to receive him as Savior and King and Lord of your life, if that's you, you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, could you lift your hand with me? I'd just like to pray with you right now. He's offering you redemption forgiveness. You just have to receive it. Anybody in the room? It's your chance. Father, I pray right now for every person that needs that saving, forgiving grace of Jesus that you would give it and that you would bring life in the name of Jesus.